0: Uh, I want to be in a mode tonight, just I really want to teach you something. I have a lot of information that I, I want to get past, but I want to be sensitive to what the Lord wants of it. How many of you know that we're all in a fight? Okay, three people. The rest of us, we're praying for you. We're all in a fight. We're all contending to believe God for something in our lives. And many of us, it could be a physical fight that you're fighting for. Maybe you had a bad doctor report or your finances you're fighting or you're just fighting things in your past. And what I want to do is i want to take you to a portion of the Bible. And sometimes it's a very familiar portion of the Bible in Ephesians chapter six. And it talks about the full armor of God. And I want to talk about that tonight, the armor and what we need to put on. And so I have a lot of ground and I'm going to get you out of here on time if you give me a chance. And that way I don't, I don't stray. because you know me, I do stray. And y'all are still praying for me. I, you hear this Sunday, you're praying about my lion and everything else. Uh, but uh, uh, let's just go to the Lord. If you go, if you have your papers, if you have your Bibles, your electronic uh, you version, you can go to Ephesians chapter six, and we're going to start at verse ten. And I just want to pray, Father, thank you for everyone here tonight. I just really feel commissioned just to be, uh, just to speak this tonight, and God, that we would get it in us. And we would not just know it. It wouldn't just be in us, but we would begin to walk in it. And we would begin to believe you for what you've called us to do. In Jesus' name. Are you ready? Amen. Let's dive in. Ephesians 6.10, it says a final word. It's like this. After saying all of this, this is what he, it, that's what he, Paul's talking about. He's talking about it being, after everything that's been said, here's the, he goes, and a final word, be strong in the Lord. And he said, in, in his mighty power, put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies, all traps of the devil. There are three important takeaways I want to talk to you about these two verses. The first thing is true strength comes from the Lord. Notice Paul doesn't say be strong uh, in the Lord. And, and he said, Paul tells us to be strong in the Lord in his might. Paul actually is telling in 2 in Corinthians that the way to true strength is to know where you're weak. How many of you know that we all have weaknesses? I mean, how many of you got weaknesses? And guess what? The very thing that God delivered you from is the very thing the devil goes after you in. Come on. Because he knows, he knows that was a weakness that you leaned upon, so the enemy's going to go. That's his strategy. And so what happens is, right here, he, he's saying this. He's saying, in, in, in your weakness, Christ is made strong. He said, I know my weakness. I'm familiar with things that I do. and everything that I'm weak in, I need to lean on God. It, it, it's understandable. You can't be strong in yourself. How I many of you tried? Look, I did my best. Look, before I knew the Lord, I did my best to do what I could to be better. It just didn't work. You know, I could go to read self-help books. I could, you know, try to be nice. I could do all those things, but those things didn't help. And so what happens is all of you can't see all of Jesus's miracles. Think about this. Every miracle in the Bible started with a problem. And so all of them, I mean, a blind man, a crippled man, a woman, an issue, a leper. We can go down the list and see if you have a problem, I have good news. You're a candidate for a miracle. You know, you're just a candidate for a miracle. No problem. Let's put it this way. No problem, no miracle. And so, what happens is your weakness is an invitation to trust God, listen to me, in his power. He said, Well, wait a minute, Pastor Baba. So, what you're saying is, in my weakness, that I can trust God in his strength and in his power to do what I can't do, him? absolutely. You're just a candidate for God to show up. I'm the only God show up in your life. Just admit where you are. And so, are y'all with me? The second thing is you've got to put on God's armor. It's like if you're cold this morning, I mean, how many of you are enjoying this weather? I mean, like we're in Northern California right now. I mean, just I mean, this is how it feels. And it's like the dew, I mean, the dew points down, all that. I love it. And so you get to pull out clothes you thought you were packing away. Come on, in South Louisiana. And I had my shorts on last week. And so you gotta put it on. And so. I'll explain more detail, but life is not a playground. Listen to me, it's a battleground. And if you don't put on your armor, you're going to constantly walk around wounded. And so, have you ever tried to exercise with an injury? You know, like like I, I, a couple of weeks ago, I had pneumonia, and, and I had the flu, and I would cough, and and, and, and what happened is my, my left lung filled up with fluid and all that stuff. And then what happened is I felt something either crack my rib or broke my rib. And so, like, I was trying to lift weights one day, and my wife busted me. And she goes, what are you doing? Like, Baba, I, I want to keep my weight. And, and she, I'm you know, I'm hurting. She goes, are you? She didn't call me stupid, but it was close. <laughs> you know, she goes, don't do that. You know, and so if you just perform, you just can't perform the same if you're hurt. And see, that's where the enemy wants you. He wants to put a wound in you to slow you down. Come on. And what happens is, some of us don't experience the fullness of Christ because we walk around with just holes in our armor. Wounds and pain cause us to react differently. You know, let me ask you, how many of you ever had somebody tell you something about yourself? And it just wounded you. How many of you walked with somebody and they thought that you were going to be their friend and they let you down? Come on. Can I just tell you something? One of my Bible teachers, that I, his name's Winky Pratt, and he said, the longer you serve the Lord, he said, everything they did to Jesus will eventually happen to you. And it's true. People will leave you. People will forsake you. People will, you know. Say not nice, kind things to you, and but you know what? I've learned this. Uh, you know, you can stand against the schemes of the enemy only to the degree which you allow God to protect your heart and allow and allow yourself to walk with people. Do you understand? Accountability and strength come when you walk with people hand in hand. Look, I can't discipleship's face to face. You can do things in groups, but when you come to someone one on one, that's when you really begin to be able to disciple them. And that's what, you know, what Jesus said, go into all the world, make disciples. That's it, where you stand one to one and you can look at someone and say, man, look, this is what I see, this is where I'm going. What a leader, a pastor is, a pastor is someone, listen, it's like this. I may have, I'm 58 and some of you are young. So that means I have maybe 30 buckets of experience. You may have three. And I might, I might know everything you go, but I can go back to one of the buckets that I have And go, hey, look, I got a little perspective on this. Come on. I've been walking with the Lord for 38 years. That doesn't make me an expert. It just makes me, I've been through some stuff. Okay? And that's what leaders are. I've been there, done that, been through some things. And maybe have something in my bucket. And it's not a trick bucket, but these are some experiences that I've had. And these are what happened in my life. And let me tell you how to get through this, what I've learned. And hopefully it can help you. Does that make sense? And so here's the thing. The third thing is the enemy and demonic forces are real and have a strategic plan to destroy you. The enemy has no desire just to wound you. He wants to destroy you. And what happens is John 10.10 says the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. How many of you are are competitive? How many of you hate to lose? Sabrina, put your hand down. Okay. And so, and it's like, I can just say this. When we first got married, we don't do this much. When we, we, before we had kind of kids, Tracy and I would play cards at night before we go to bed sometimes. And I wouldn't let her go to bed until I won the last game. And there would be some nights I, but I would stay up late. You know, because I just needed that win. You know what I mean? And, and, and so I don't know about you. I don't know. But, uh, you know, I hate losing. But the reality is the enemy is playing to win. Are you hearing me? He wants to conquer. So why, why all the talk about armor? What's ex, what are we exactly, what are we fighting against? So let's look in Ephesians verse 12, and we're going we're to we're dig in. Are you all with me? Okay, or you all aren't learning anything yet? Okay, we're going to learn some more. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in the heavenly place. Our fight, listen to me, look at me. Your fight is not with your spouse. Well, Pastor Bubba, you don't know my spouse. I don't need to. So here's the question, it still remains. What are you fighting against? Every impulse in our soul call, that causes us to drift further away from God can be, there could be things like the lust of the eyes, power, fame, Pride, money, the approval of people, insecurity. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? And so, what happens is the only foothold the enemy can have in our life is a place where we're unwilling to fight. It's, it's like we leave it open. I mean, you've heard me talk to you about the Nigerian guy that I know. You know, the devil puts one finger in your mouth, and and he'll put two and, and, you know, and three, and then he'll put a handful, and if you don't learn to bite the devil's hand right off, he'll take you anywhere he wants you to go. You understand what I'm saying? In other words, it's like if we just allow ourselves, here it is. The difference between Christianity and religion is religion, you just kind of just stay the same. Christianity is, you know, wait a minute. I got to fight. I got to fight for ground. The difference between World War II, and I've been reading a book about Korea because it's, it's, what happened is like, the difference between World War II and the Korean War is that World War II, we were so ready in America. We had fought, we had won, and we didn't want to fight again. In 1950, you know, the communists came in, and I, I could, I'm reading this book. But what happened, and when the Americans first went into Korea, we weren't ready. They gave us, we, we, weren't, we, didn't, we didn't expect even them to fight us. But the North Koreans came in with the Russians' equipment and began to kick tail and take out people take out things and the americans went to the first battle and said we don't need it." and they were fat they weren't in shape we didn't give them they had 120 bullets to last for a week think about that i'm thinking dear god in heaven 120 bullets uh i I couldn't do it and they went unprepared and they think we won before we'll do it again who are these people they're nothing and they got overrun and for us is we can't be slack you understand what i'm saying we just can't be slack. We can't get fat at things. And that's why, let me, let me just say this. You know, it's like we give you notes. We give you things. And I hope you go home with those notes. And I hope you have a Bible. I like pages. Can I just say that? It's great to have electronic, but I love to read. Look, I, I have notes. It's not how much I mark my Bible up. It's just, you know what, that my life's marked by it. You know what I'm saying? I want God to speak to me. And, you know, and, and it's like, and sometimes God says things to me, or I look at things. But here is it's another one. Nobody goes to hell because because of Satan. The only reason is because you stop fighting against sin. You stop fighting against entrances that we allow the enemy. Are you hearing me? Well, the devil sent him to hell. No, he didn't. You just didn't know. You were blind. You didn't see. And guess what? You weren't fighting. Listen, I've learned this in marriage after thirty-four years in August. Some things are worth fighting for. Come on. And my wife's taught me, because sometimes it's healthy to fight. And she can fight. <laughs> I'm not talking about it. So I'm, I'm, like, I'm surprised sometimes. I mean, she's, I, I like, I'm, I'm usually a good comeback kind of guy. Really, I am. She knows that. But sometimes I'm stumped. <laughs> and sometimes I've learned this. It's better to shut up than say something. Because we can get back to that later. It's about taking ground, but not giving up ground. Sometimes it's worth fighting for your kids. Come on, how many of you ever fight for your kids? You know, and you've got to fight for them. It's not just saying things with your word, but fighting in prayer, believing God. And so let's go on. Ephesians says it like this. You're, you're so, but, but Ephesians 6 uh, 13 and 14 Therefore put on every piece of God's armor that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil then after the battle you will still be standing from the reason many of us are weak is we keep resisting the very thing that God wants to give us in our life let me explain too many of us are more concerned about what we wear than what kind of life we live see the question is not if the battle comes the question is then after the battle, will you still be standing firm? Because look at me. Every one of us is going to face a battle. I don't care who you are. No one's exempt. And different battles are different ways. But here's the thing I know. You know, this should be our goal. The armor reminds us that Christ has already been victorious and gone before us. In in other words, for many, for many, the battle comes and we're left bleeding on the floor. Why? Here it is. I want to give you six, there are six pieces of armor and let's explore their purpose, okay? We're going to, we're going to, and so I have 28 minutes to do that. So I want to do this, okay? Number one, verse six, verse uh, 14, stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body of armor of God's righteousness. This is a belt right here, okay? It holds my drawers up. Okay? It just does. I mean, sometimes I don't need a belt. My belly will hold my, my drawers up. There's other times when I go through things and I may be fasting or do something, and it's like, I have a pair of drawers I wore the other day, and they were like, Lily, they got down to here, and I was like, I was fixing to get arrested. You know what I mean? I was showing my underwear. I mean, that's just my generation, that ain't, that ain't cool. Okay? That is not cool showing your underwear, okay? That's like, the only show you underwear is when someone gave you a wedgie or something at school. But here's the thing, the belt of truth, Paul's saying this, he said, the only way to escape deception of the enemy is to allow the word of God determine the truth. The word of God has to determine the truth. It's my will crossed by the will of God. Come on, are y'all with me? And see, what happens is, say the enemy's going to constantly bombard us with lies, and from the beginning, that's, that's his story. His ambition is to make us believe a lie. Did God really say that? Did God really mean that? Satan wants you to doubt God's word, but he also wants you to ignore God's word. And so if Satan can get you to doubt, ignore the word, he can, he can make a lie appear the truth. Here, here, give me an example. Take abortion. Okay? The enemy convinces a generation it's not a life, it's just a choice. Are you hearing me? And what happens is, if you do not familiarize yourself with the truth, you'll, you'll be capable of believing anything. In other words, Jesus said, I am the, I'm the truth. To know me is to know truth. He said, I'm the, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And no one can go to the Father except through me. The belt of truth is a passion to know God's word. Not only that, but, it, but even the contradictions of, of the opinions of our culture. Here's a question. Are you putting the word of God around you and in you to hold everything up? Does it make sense? And so, for I have I heard a conversation with someone, and they say, You know, uh, it's some guys from England we're in today Matt Murray and a guy, his name's Turbo. And they go, Why do you call you Turbo? And he goes, Man, he's just this guy's full of energy, got delivered from drugs. He's just and um, and so. And you just see, and he goes, and, he, and he's passionate. He's talking to me. I just want to, I want to get the, I read the word. I want the word to get in me. Because if I get the word to get in me, it's going to come out of me. And everything I do and everything I choose and everything I want to be. Here's this guy, he was, make, he was making $5,000 every couple of days. Doing drugs in England and stealing drug deals and business deals and, you know, all these different things. And here's this guy so hungry. For God, he said, man, I just got to get it in me. And so for, for many of us, the second thing is you need the breastplate of righteousness. What does that mean? To take up the breastplate of righteousness means you don't give the enemy any room to mess with you. In other words, oh, it's, you know, it's like, here's, here's the thing. that The breastplate holds everything around your heart. How many of you know that your heart is the most vital organ in your body? No heart, dead. Okay, and like I said, you know, God's got breath in our lungs. We don't count how many we go, okay, breathe. (sighs) What happened when they passed out? They forgot to tell themselves to breathe. That's not the way it is. But everything that is close to the heart, that's what the breastplate represents. And so the enemy wants to put things in our lives. Satan wants to find uncovered parts and areas in our life to attack us. And that's where habits can come in, lack of self-control, areas of pride, bad relationships, Whatever is uncovered in your life, he uses to come and to attack us. He's, he's going to find them. Let God have control of every part of your life. See, the blessed plate is the piece of armor that covers all your vital organs. God's righteousness. In other words, I'm going to begin to believe God that he can help me to begin to make right choices. That means, that's what righteousness means, right choiceness. That I begin to make right choices that can saturate my life. Righteous, it's just thinking, it's beginning to think like God sees things. It's beginning to have a different perspective. It's not about my opinion anymore. It's getting God's perspective and his opinion for what he wants to do in our lives. Are you with me? And so Ephesians six fifteen says, For shoes put on the peace that comes from good the, new, the good news so that you will be firmly prepared. The third thing is the shoes of the gospel of peace. And here's the one thing that Romans, listen, they had to walk over mountains. They had to walk through valleys. They had to walk through water. You know, shoes were real important. How many like good shoes? You know, I mean, in South Louisiana, it gets summer. Everybody gets flip-flops and sandals. Come on. We're ready to break out. And I know people, they're probably women got flip-flops on tonight. I just know it. I mean, just we're in South Louisiana. Okay. And so what happens is, is that shoes are important, and you have to have the right shoes for the right things that you do. You know, if you go mountain climbing, flip-flops won't do. Okay? What happened? you know, and it's like, well, some girls are like, Shh, you haven't seen my flip-flops fast above. Anyway, I don't know. Maybe all-terrain flip-flops. I don't know. But what they would do, they have to go through the snow. So they did what they did, they had to have a good pair of, shoes for the journey or you'd be miserable how many ever been in a place where you you just didn't have the right shoes how many had new shoes and they gave you a blister okay you just weren't prepared for that you know what i mean like dang you know and what happens is the romans were serious about their footwear and they were actually the ones that first invented cleats what we like like they would find, they would call them hobnobs, and they would, they would be like nails or, or things or pieces of metal, and they would put it in their sandals. And what they would do is they, they would put a layer over that. So when they would go to battle, they would place those cleats in. So when the enemy would come at them, and if you've seen the movies, you know, whatever, and they hold their shields, and it was, it was like Lily was all together, or a unit, and they would hold, they would be, there would be resistance. And so, in other words, they would dig in to get resistance. And for many of what God's, what Paul's saying is that you got you to gotta step into this. You got to lean forward. You got to plant yourself and go, because the enemy's going to come. But you got to plant yourself. What, you, what, you, what are you so concerned? Why are they so concerned about their footing? Because good foot, good pair of boots allow you to climb, to fight whatever necessary, Christ demands the same readiness in his people. See, in this passage, the gospel of peace refers to the good news that believers are at peace with God in every circumstance. You know, I've seen people. How many of you ever seen people freak out? It's like, remember that time Freak out! You know what I mean? I've met people that have freaked out. I remember I was in Shreveport one time. And we were ministering on the street, downtown Shreveport, where everybody's partying. And they have a guy, he's in a pool hall. And we're, I look, I used to go in bars. I used to go drink, but I wasn't drinking. I was telling people about Jesus in the bar. What? Exactly. That's what we used to do. And we'd go street corners and talk to people, witness to people about the Lord. And, you know, and, and I remember this one guy goes, he comes up to me, he goes, hey, you. I I'm looking, I'm talking to this other guy, trying to help this guy. And this other guy's kind of drunk. Just trying to help him and he goes you she said yeah you you owe me some money I'm like what I don't owe you money I don't know you from Adam and he goes if you don't give me the money I'm a." he starts telling me what he's gonna do to me and I'm looking at first of all I'm thinking dude I'll take you out <laughs> but then I'm thinking but I'm here to represent Jesus <laughs> and then I think I'm gonna be toothless by the end of the night And this other guy, he goes, and he looks at him, and he's like in this telephone booth. I don't know if y'all know what a telephone booth is, my generation. It's like a little booth where you used to have a phone, and you could press numbers. And you had to put a coin in it to be able to call somebody. And we used to have calling cards. Okay, do y'all know what those are? They're in museums now, anyway. And so what happens is this guy's in a telephone booth, and he's like, and he's like, and the guy, he looks at him, you owe me money. So the guy goes, he's doing his pocket. I don't know what I mean. Dude, I mean, I got, you know, and the pennies and nickels and things are falling out of his pocket. And I'm going, oh, my God. And all of a sudden, the guy hits him. Bang. And I'm, I go, dude, what are you doing? If you don't pay me, you are. And I'm like, oh, Jesus. And literally, I go, oh, God, help me. Because not on one case, on one side, I wanted to pop him. It's it's like, it's my pride. But I'm thinking, because that's how I used to live. I go, I could take him out. Hey, look, the bigger they are, the harder they fall. You know, dynamite comes in small packages. You know? Used to be my line. Anyway, come on, y'all don't mess with me. And so, I mean, literally, I was just like, oh, God. And I remember his girlfriend comes out of the bar, get over here, whatever his name was, get over, can leave those guys alone. And Andy ended up helping this other guy, bring him home, and yeah, he was messed up. And I mean, dude, you all right, man? Dude, dude, hit me, and all this stuff. And so why are you saying all that, Pastor Bubba? I don't know, but anyway. <laughs> I had a point, but I got off of it. It's called freaking out. That's what it was. <laughs> and can I just tell you something? Sometimes... Look at me. That's why I have notes. I swear to God, that's why I have notes. Because if I don't, I can go a long train, okay? And it comes, it's a long way back, but it's shorter to get notes. Come on. But here, let me just tell you something. Many of us in life, when we see things, and we've, we've been around people that just freak out. And let me tell you something. Instead of freaking out that's where you just got to go to the Lord. And see, Ephesians 6, uh, 6 16 says, In addition to all these things, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. The shield of faith, fire arrows are lies. Let me ask you, how many of you woke up this morning and you had things, a voice speak to you about who you were? It wasn't like, Hello, been waiting for you this morning. No. It's like you get ready, you look in the mirror, and the enemy begins to speak to you. Or you go do something, or you find a habit, or you, you're struggling with something in your life, and he reminds you what you're struggling with. See, faith has here is not, it's not saving faith, but it's living faith, a trust in the promises of the power of God. What do you mean, Pastor Bubba? It's like we've all been challenged. Look at me. We're all going to be challenged. I've had to fight things with cancer. I've had to fight things in my body. But guess what? It's living faith. It's believing God. No matter what I go through, no matter what I face, He's the same God that saved me, and He's the same God He promised. He would never leave me and never forsake me. Amen? And it's like the same with you. No matter what you go through, God promised He would never leave you, and He would never forsake you. And so we know this. He, the enemy is the father of lies, and will, and he will do anything to destroy your faith in Christ. You know, uh, you can have a situation that's just out of control. Your future will be, you know, here the enemy will say, well, your future is a failure. He'll say things like that. Or just like, your past, you know, your future is going to be like your past. Just wash out. You see, you know, or maybe you've gone through a divorce and you go, you know, th- that means you've messed up. You've gone too far back and you, you have no significance left in your life. That's a lie from the pit of hell. God's not a God of a second chance. God's a God of another chance. And I thank God for that. And see, there are plenty enough of you here, you know, and it's like, or, you know, like, you might hear a voice, you know what? Why do you put up with that man? Leave him. That old bag of dirt. He don't take care of you. He don't, or, you know, it could be the other side. That woman, Lord, she, she just never can get it together. She fusses at me the whole time I come. Lord, what is wrong with her? Listen, probably what's wrong with her? You intended to her. Somebody got an amen out of that. But it's true. Come on, look at me. Where does conflict come from? Disagreement. Now, that's a whole other subject. We just did a whole series. There are all these lies that we're tempted to believe. And see, here's the: thing. to hold up the shield of faith means choosing to believe what God says about you rather than what the enemy says about you. Does it make sense? Yeah. Okay. Ephesians 6, 17. Put on salvation as your helmet and take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The helmet of salvation. Helmet is like this. It protects, it protects us from the blows. It's your mind. How many know your mind is your greatest battlefield? It's the battlefield of your mind. And, you know, there's thoughts that wander away from God and leave no room for God. And those are thoughts that will bring us to a place where we'll compromise. We'll, We'll begin to walk in sin. And sin is we begin to pick something that's selfish or outside of God's design for our lives. That's what it means. Sin leaves no room for God where there's other thoughts that wonder, wonder toward God and say, God, I need you in this situation. I might not know how to get there, but God, I need you. And that's why it's so important that, look at me, you walk with people in your life. Here's my question. Do you have people in your life that you walk with that you can share your issues with? They say this, they say, but let me just say, here's the fact. By the time you get out of high school, they say that if you have one Or two friends, by the time you die, that are close, that's success. Close friends. Think about that. Can I just say I'm blessed? But here's this. Look at me. Some people didn't pursue me. I had to pursue them. And sometimes we're waiting for people to go. I'm waiting for someone to come. I'm just waiting for an older man waiting for a wiser woman to come and just speak into my life and give me wisdom and help me. Look at me. (laughs) They just might not come. And what you've got to be willing to do is this. Hey, can we get together for lunch maybe next Wednesday? Can we just hang out? Can I just share with you some things? Because let me tell you something. Life groups are good, and that's great. It helps us to get strength. But you know what? One-on-one is where life, that's discipleship. One-on-one, looking in someone in the eyes and go, hey, man, I'm really struggling right here, and I just need to tell someone. And you're not, you're not condemning them, and you listen, you have compassion. The Bible said if we confess our sins one to another, that we will be healed, to pray for them that they would be healed. In other words, they get out of the mully grubs. They get out. that feel like self-pity. They get beyond the lies. And all of a sudden, the Bible says the truth will set you free. And that's what people want. They want friends that can tell them. I want someone to tell me the truth. Like tonight, I'm just going to be content. Th- Sabrina didn't even know, but she was going, ah, oh, I like that. And I, I felt something, and I go, oh, she's telling me my zipper's done. She didn't even see my, my zipper was undone. And she didn't even see it. What were you saying? Something? Oh, she, shut up. No, I don't want to talk about that. Okay, okay. This, she was asking me, what's the name of your man bag, Pastor Baba? Come on, I'm going to style and profile for y'all. Okay, this is my satchel. This is my satchel. It's my man purse, okay? I got it in England. And so, anyway... And so I thought she was pointing my zipper. She was pointing my man purse. And so I'm like, "Oh, oh, thanks, Sabrina." And I was. Like, she goes, "I didn't even see it." Think, well, praise God. wasn't much. <laughs> anyway. Okay, how did I get there? But anyway, <laughs> we're talking about your mind. See where your minds are going. Okay. The enemy will point out your failures. He'll point out unresolved problems, and we begin to buy into those doubts, and we begin to doubt. We begin to doubt our heavenly Father. See, if you, if you were, the, if I were the enemy, my number one objective would be to get you to doubt your commitment to God, or God's commitment to you. You know, I would, I would make you doubt your salvation because if, if you can, if, if I can get you to do that then you're going to be discouraged. Discouragement will set in. And listen, that's why you need people, because you need encouragement. Encouragement means, write this down, courage being poured into you. That's for free. Because here's the thing. When discouragement sets in, you begin to lose all hope of winning the fight. And if you can't confess where you are, we can't address what we need to do to help you. Listen, if you can't confess, listen to me, we can't address the issue. You understand what I'm saying? And so sometimes I've got to be, I, if, I'm, if I'm struggling with something with Tracy, or she's struggling with something with me, I need to tell her. You understand? Tracy, I'm dealing with this. Would you stop? Whatever. I'm not going to get into that. And, and it's like, and so, and we can address that. Or she can say, Bubba, you know, I'm tired of whatever this or that. And we can address th- am I making sense? Okay, y'all quit talking behind my back over there. <laughs> y'all still on that? Oh I man, man of God. Come on. Here we here we go. Let's get back to the word. Truth is we have every reason to be secure in our salvation. Amen. I, I'm secure wearing a man purse. I don't <laughs> care. John 6 37 says this All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. Well, that's a great word. Through salvation, Christ chooses you. Once he chooses you, he is incapable of rejecting you. Here's the thing you've got to understand, guys God's not a human. And when he chose you, he chose you. You're his. You understand? The only rejection comes we don't, when we don't believe what God says about who we are or how he sees us. Does that make sense? I was in college with a guy's name was Frank Zomkowski, and he had a dream one night, and he was picking a team in his dream out loud. Okay, okay. And he talked like that. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, you team one, you, 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 you team two. He's picking teams. And I'm just listening to it, and I'm going, man, Frank's hallucinating. And we're laughing. There's a couple of us just going, look at what's going on. And after a while, he's going, okay, 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 team, 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 five, you over here. And all of a sudden, he goes, hey, 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 Hey." he goes, hey, what team am I on? What team? He was having a nightmare. Everybody got picked but him. (laughs) You say, why do I say that? Because you know what? God picked you. And he didn't leave you out. He picked you. You see, there, there's nothing that you could ever do to break that seal that God has. The, the next thing is the sword of the spirit. Are y'all with me? This is the only piece of armor that, that uh, is, not, is, is offensive. Let me make something very clear. You're putting armor on for a specific reason. Here, look at me. To fight. To fight. You see, I love the imaginary. The dagger was always in the hand ready to attack. You know, the sword of the Spirit is simply the Word of God. That's all it is. It's this right here. It's the Word of God. You know that 80% of Americans own Bibles? They own them. But they say 26% may read it one time a year. You see... How how are we supposed to attack the lies of the enemy if we're not familiar with the weapon? You know what I'm saying? If you don't know. You know, here's the thing the statistic is like a soldier going into the battle with armor but forgetting his gun. You, you know what I'm saying? That's literally where, see. If you know the Word of God, you have and you've read the Word of God, you have something. You have something to fight with. You see, old Chinese proverb: "Dirty Bible, clean Christian; clean Bible, dirty Christian." In other words, this book is so important for all of us. Our walk, it's the Word of God. It's, it, the Bible says it's a lamp unto our feet. In the middle of the darkness, this is, like, this is like your smartphone, and you turn on the light in the midst of the darkness. And it tells you, you can walk somewhere. You see, Ephesians 6.18 says, and so here's the thing. If, it, it says this, pray in the Spirit at all times in every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. This is the key to everything Paul's saying. He's saying in the last seven verses, the way we put on armor is through persistent prayer. Prayers, talking to God. True fighting takes place when men and women practice prayer. Daniel stood t- to a pagan king in Babylon. And when they had an edict go out, and they, and, and, and they begin to mock Daniel's God, and they said, if you don't bow down to our God, you know, anybody that doesn't bow down on our God, we're going to kill you. So Daniel, what did he do? He went right back what he did every day, three times a day, and he faced toward Jerusalem, and he began to pray. He understood that certain things will only change through fasting and prayer. Daniel lived with a king that said, if you don't bow down, I'll kill you. And the only, the only way Daniel stayed strong in the culture that was so dark was through his daily connection with God through fasting and prayer. He was thrown in the lion's den. His friends were thrown in the furnace of fire. They survived. And I believe this. Prayer keeps you aware of the schemes of the enemy. And see, they say that a sent, the senses of a soldier in the battlefield are heightened when they're in battle. They, have, they, they can hear a twig snap sometimes from a half a mile away. It's like I, I've duck hunted and I've goose hunted all my life. And so there's certain times when the, I can see things. Like, like I I noticed movements, birds. On the way here, this I'm pulling in. I saw two wood ducks flying right in those woods. I bet no one else saw them. I'm like, I'm telling my wife, "Look, the wood ducks." And they're going, "Yeah, right. Oh, that's great. You know, he, he's hallucinating again. You know, and and it's like there's just a after a while there's a sharpness, there's a keenness. You know what I'm saying? And it's like I can, just, you know, I see it, I feel it, I sense it. I mean, there's just something there. And I get excited about it. And so so the senses of a soldier, and that's why as a Christian, our senses should be sensitive. Hey, man, they're hurting. Because the Bible says this, the eyes are the window of the soul. I can look at someone and go, pain, depression, hurt, disappointment. Come on, you know what I'm talking about? The Bible says the spirit of man knows the spirit of man struggle. It's not like I'm, I'm not, I'm like, I'm not going around the church looking at everybody's eyeballs. But I can say this, and you know what I'm talking about? Have you ever seen that happen? Where you just see someone and you go, pain, discouragement. And see, the Word of God, if we know it, we can pour oil on a wound. Am I making sense here tonight? See, if you're not connecting with Christ on a daily, you're not aware of the dangers that come our way. There's something about war that sharpens your senses. War sharpens your senses to the Spirit of God. Verses, let me just wrap it up. Read these last three verses. It says, Ephesians 19 uh, to 20. It says, and pray for me too. Ask God to give me the right words so I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan that the good news is for Jews and Gentiles alike. I am in chains now. Here's Paul, he's in chains, writing this from jail cell, still preaching this message as Christ's ambassador. He's representing. So pray that I will keep on speaking boldly for him as I should. It's ironic. Paul's in chains, and he didn't ask, he didn't ask to be set free. But he's just he said. I just need strength strength to fight boldly. Just pray for me that I have strength. Paul understands true freedom is found in the willingness to fight. And when you find freedom, it's your willingness to fight. Truth is, the front lines is always the safest place to be. What do you mean, Pastor? If you're not fighting, it means you're just growing cold, numb, and you're not aware of the great dangers. Here, look at me. We are fighters. We're called an army. And let's get in alignment with God so we can know our assignment. If you can't, it's like this. They used to have a commercial. You, like, I, th- I remember what credit card. You can't leave home without it. MasterCard, American Express, whatever. Here's my here thing. You can't leave home without him. And that's my encouragement to you. If I had a last line, you can't leave home without God. And so here it is. I got 40, 44 seconds, and I'm done. Okay, look at me. I'm, I did it on time. Praise God. Okay, that's a miracle for Pastor Bubba. But here's, what, here's my concern. You can hear this, but I want you to give me. That's not a trick like Mark 17, like I showed, told you this weekend. Here's the thing. I'd encourage you to go to Ephesians 6 this week. Read that. Take that note card and go, okay, God, help me to be a fighter. Help me to fight these things. Help me to find people in my life that help me fight. help Help me to have people. Let me pursue people that have a little more experience, a few more buckets than I have. And let me get together with them. And let me live this thing out. Amen? Because listen to me. Nothing ever just comes. Things come when you fight for them. And when you fight for something and you get something, you see God answer it, then all of a sudden it's more precious to you. And it has more meaning. And it gives you something to go, God, like we talked about at the beginning, praise, that'll come a lot easier. Amen? Father, I thank you for everyone here tonight. I pray that you would just bless. You would bless people here tonight. I pray that, Father, that it wouldn't just be words that are spoken, but, Lord, I pray that this morning that we know that we're on a journey and life is a fight. And, Father, I pray that we would be willing to People that learn to fight, not just for ourselves, but for our mates, for our children, for our loved ones, for our friends, and for people that we really care about. God, I pray, I pray that you would put a deposit of this just dissatisfaction this that we could go back and just live a life that's just filled with normality. But give us a keen sense of awareness. God, that you want to give us eyes that are sharp. You want to give us a sense of destiny, that we begin to see people the way you see them. Give us Jesus' contact lenses, that we begin to see people like you see them. Give us a Jesus' pacemaker. Take our heart and give us your heart, that our heartbeat would beat with your very heart for people. We would be moved with compassion, We'd be moved to, to fight for them, to believe, God, that you can do something extraordinary and incredible and great in their lives and their family. Lord, as we came here to this church and we began it, our slogan was, I would always tell people, if we love the people that no one wants, God would give us the people that everybody wants. Help us to love people that, that fall between the cracks. Help us to love people that... That, God, that, that you care about, that you see. They've lost hope. They've lost vision. They've lost purpose. Help us to fight for them. Help us to get out of our comfort zone. To see the way you see. Pray, God, tonight. Come. Help us to never be satisfied with just going back to the normal but help us to have a heart to fight the schemes of the enemy, but also to fight for people that we love. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen and amen.